Hello everyone and welcome to the Pop That Mama podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Victoria from Free to Birth, who is on the podcast to share her birth story with us all. Get yourself a nice cup of tea and enjoy listening. Hi Victoria, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you on. Over to you to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, I am Victoria, otherwise known as Free to Birth on Instagram. I am a birth educator and hypnobirthing teacher with a huge passion for helping people prepare for their home birth. And that's whether they've got midwives attending, uh, a birth keeper, a doula, or no one at all. And I am so excited to tell you my birth story, particularly because I, seven months ago, gave birth to my daughter in our living room on the floor with just my husband and doula there. There were no midwives and it was a very conscious decision not to call them. And I'm excited to tell you exactly how I arrived at that decision, why I did that. And yeah, take you on that kind of pregnancy journey with me. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to hear. And I have been loving what you're doing on Instagram. And I would recommend everyone who is listening to go and take a look at her Instagram, literally make a hot drink and and study it because there is so much valuable information on there. And you're you're really just starting out with this journey, I believe. So I, I think great things are, are coming for you. So can't wait to hear more about your pregnancy journey and your birth, but ha- really happy for you to just start wherever. Take us on the journey you went on. Okay, right. Um, I've thought a lot about this and I think I want to start by talking a little bit about my first birth because how that went really influenced my second one. Um, That was also a planned home birth and then turned into a hospital transfer. Um, And there was nothing there was nothing wrong. The pregnancy was really good. I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. I'm one of those annoying people that has great pregnancies, really enjoyed it. Um, and I went to every appointment, every scan, everything that, I, that was kind of asked of me, really. And But even then, I, I had this feeling of not quite feeling kind of too comfortable with everything. I, it almost felt a little bit slightly unnecessary even then. Um, but yeah, I was super confident. I was really positive. Uh, I didn't do a lot of prep, which I think was my downfall. I read one book on hypnobirthing. Me and my husband read the same book, which got two copies. And that was kind of it. Oh, I did go to the NHS antenatal classes, um, but that was that was kind of it. Um, so I but I was amazingly positive about the whole thing. Like I was looking forward to giving birth. I was really excited about it. I was, yeah, I was, I was really buzzing for it. But then when it came to it actually happening, I was just taken aback by how intense and powerful it really felt. And I think I couldn't get out of that feeling. It, it sort of floored me a bit. I got quite scared by it, really. And I couldn't quite get over that. And I labored quite a lot at home. We had a pool. By the time the midwife came out to us, um, I was just feeling there was a lot of negative self-talk. I was very much thinking, I can't do this. It feels really tough and really, really difficult. I felt like I was struggling. Um, And then I think short after the midwife arrived, my waters sort of broke in in a kind of bigger way. They'd been slowly leaking out throughout the day. And yeah, my water's broken a little bit as soon as the midwife arrived and they were coloured. There was a colour to them. And I think I instantly knew, oh, no, this means I have to go into a hospital. I I didn't really 
I didn't really know what my options were. I hadn't really looked too deeply into meconium, which was which was what was present in my waters. And I think me and my husband, we were left uh, for a few moments. The midwife said, go and have a little think. And we were like Googling in our bedroom. I was still having contractions. I was really upset. It didn't really feel like my home birth was going to plan. Obviously, if you Google this, the first thing that comes up is the NHS website that just tells you, oh, it's dangerous. You've got to transfer in. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of emerged all tearful and just said, oh, yeah, OK, we'll transfer in. And the midwife said, yeah, I knew you'd say that. Ambulance is on the drive. Let's go. Um, so it all went very quick. And yeah, I mean, I was on my own in that ambulance. My husband followed in a car. I didn't have anyone else there. I, I didn't hire a doula or anything because I was that I was that confident. Um, and yeah, I mean, the birth, it's something I haven't, I haven't really even talked about much online because, you know, I'm still, I do almost still feel a bit like I let myself down there, um, which I know isn't the case, but I felt like I hadn't prepared myself enough and yeah, I kick myself about that just so much afterwards because ultimately the, the birth was okay. Like my baby was fine. Yes, there was meconium. The, the, the fear with meconium is always that they could inhale it and have the meconium aspiration. Um, that's if they're distressed, which, you know, I'm quite surprised he wasn't by the end of it. The labor was quite lengthy, um, but it was so, it was down to the fact that I felt I felt so uncomfortable you know suddenly I was sort of thrust into this room that I hadn't really planned on being in um and it felt very much like everything was kind of happening to me I I didn't really I well I wasn't in control of that situation at all I got very much swept away with it and yeah like I say my lasting feeling with that was just oh it was okay but it wasn't great and not really what I expected I mean we the memory of it honestly is hazy because I only used gas and air throughout that. I was very much like, right, I'm in a hospital. I'm going to at least hold on to my kind of badge of honour of not using any pain relief. Um, and yeah, I only used gas and air. But even with that, like my husband had to fill in a lot of gaps afterwards. I, I There were kind of parts that I didn't quite remember. I didn't really know what time what happened I ended up being on my back I had my you know the worst birthing position ever and it very much felt like my baby was taken kind of out of me and given to me I didn't really feel like I had done that and I, it's something I yeah I kind of grappled with a lot you know we got home and because I'd we'd hired a birth pool we had to deal with deflating and emptying the pool afterwards which was just not what you want to do I think we got in I burst into tears and then that was the kind of start of oh I'm a mum <laughs> not really the best not really what I wanted to um what I wanted to have but I I put it down to it needed to happen because there was meconium I kind of filed that in my brain and then just carried on with being a mum and then when we came around to getting pregnant for the second time around I was very I suppose yeah pretty determined to have my home birth I mean in a way we were slightly worried about doing that because it didn't work out last time there was the sense of oh you know can I do that because it didn't you know it didn't really work the first time around but I think my gut feeling was like, no, you can do this. You just need to prepare more. So I was very determined on, on just doing more. I hired a doula um, 
and we booked face-to-face hypnobirthing sessions. I really wanted to immerse myself more in the prep. I needed to be more kind of absorbing everything to do with pregnancy and birth. I didn't want to have to rely on someone else telling me what could and couldn't happen. And it was sort of along that journey that the first birth came up a lot because I, I kind of almost realized I had a I had a realization of, of so many things that happened that perhaps didn't need to happen. And it was quite difficult. You know, I was pregnant with my second baby and then I was feeling really sad about the birth of my first again because I looked more into meconium and it's not actually an automatic reason to transfer. The, the, the kind of definition of meconium is it can very much depend on how much is present in your waters, but it's often seen as a sign of distress from your baby. So they're like, right, okay, let's get you into hospital. Actually, meconium is incredibly common in what's considered a post-dates baby because it can just purely be a sign that they've got a mature gut and digestive system and they've just done a poo. You know, it can it can literally be a normal occurrence um, in birth. But I didn't know that at the time. You know, I just thought, all oh, right, must be a signal of something bad. Let's go in. Um, so had I had that knowledge, maybe I would have done something differently. I don't know. But it was certainly it was good to have that knowledge for the second time around. Um, So yeah, did a lot more prep um, and then started to see my midwife. Um, This was in the pandemic. So I didn't actually literally see my midwife to start with. It was over the phone. And my husband was, I mean, he's fantastic. And as every birth partner should do really, wanted to be in on every appointment. He'd want to come with me, want to be a big part of it. And so, yeah, we had her on loudspeaker in the kitchen and we're sort of virtually meeting her. And because it was during the pandemic, we had done a private scan because the rules and restrictions of the time were that when it came to my like 12 week dating scan, my husband couldn't come with me and I didn't want to go on my own. And, you know, I wanted that moment to be between like the two of us to see that. So we'd gone for a private scan. But also because it was pandemic time, I thought, well, do I need to go to the 12 week scan that the NHS are asking me to do? I mean, shouldn't I be avoiding going into a hospital full of people that's a kind of unnecessary interaction? We'll just give them all the information of the scan that we've got. Um, So I I didn't really think much of this, but I suggested it to my midwife and this very friendly kind of chatty lady switched in an instant and just said, oh no, you have to do the one that we're asking you to do. And it was quite a shock. I was a bit taken aback and just thought, oh, okay. Um, right. I mean, well, why? And she just said, it's absolutely safe. Nothing wrong with going into a hospital. You'll be absolutely fine. Um, you've got to do this. And I, I already had an awareness of, I didn't have to do anything. Like any part of your maternity care is an offered service. I knew this. Um, and I, I kind of said this, I said like, well, you know, I don't, I don't have to, but she, she just, put me in such a corner and I didn't want to have an argument about it you know I think we just literally met her over the phone and I didn't really from the very beginning want to be known as like like, oh that difficult person who's kind of not doing what we're asking them so I just sort of went oh okay fine I think she rearranged it for the next day and I just thought fine let's just I'll get it over with and I'll just go and uh, that was sort of the start of of a big learning curve on what happens when you start declining things. Um, 
Yeah, because I felt I felt increasingly uncomfortable with appointments. And I was trying to think exactly why this was, because I mean, I didn't I didn't really look back on my first birth in, a, in an intensely kind of hateful way, but it just didn't quite go to plan. There were a few things I wouldn't have done. But yeah, we went to face to face appointments with my midwife and I just I think my husband had to be on the phone um, on a screen sat on a table and we did the classic like let's do a wee sample let's lie you down let's listen to baby's heartbeat that kind of thing and it just felt very kind of methodical so just arbitrary I don't know it didn't really feel like something I even really needed to do it, it sort of started to feel a bit unnecessary and for, for whatever reason at that point I just I'd come home and I would moan to my husband about it for a good hour just saying like oh, I really wish I'd spoken my mind I wish I'd said I don't want to do this I don't really feel comfortable with you listening in on the heartbeat because to me those things didn't really feel reassuring I mean especially by the point where I could feel my baby moving I mean I knew she was there I knew she was fine um and it almost felt intrusive to sort of listen in on a heartbeat and even the the pushing on my abdomen was honestly harder than I ever thought I would sort of push on my own tummy it just felt uncomfortable I didn't want to do it but I still had this inner struggle with I couldn't say anything I just I felt like I felt like I would lie on the bed and they'd listen in or they'd palpate me to try and find the position and I just think right okay this is going a little bit too long I'll say something in a minute I'll say something in a minute I just didn't do it and then it would be over and then I'd leave and I just kick myself over why didn't I say anything but I really think there's a there's a dynamic there that kind of doesn't really lend itself very well to you saying anything. I, I don't think it feels like something that's easy to do. And I'm like, I like to think I'm a confident person. I can definitely speak my mind in other parts of my life, but with this, for some reason, I couldn't say anything. Um, anyway, I had a lovely pregnancy. I just enjoyed being pregnant and I, I just threw myself into learning everything about that was going on for me I I was following people on Instagram that were sort of sharing amazing information about pregnancy and birth I was looking for alternative sources of of information that just went beyond the one hypnobirthing book I read before and and yeah just I it, I made it my passion I like I kind of surrounded myself with it I I remember I I was decorating our bedroom I was doing like those kind of crazy things you do when you're pregnant and you think how have you got the energy for this I, I kind of I think I painted three rooms in our house and I was listening to all these podcasts and a lot of them were home births because that's what I was planning on doing and some of the women were talking about birthing and even not having anyone there and that to me at that point it was like a beautiful story that sounded incredibly far-fetched and just absolutely surely not something that makes sense or is safe or that I could do so whilst I like listening to it it was just like oh yeah that's nice but you know oh I definitely need a midwife there just in case um and I yeah we kind of, I kind of got, I got really deep into I learned about what contractions did which I think really helped me because in my first birth I didn't have a clue it just really hurt and I had what, nothing what book to did do. you read in your first birth which oh, hypnobirthing God. book do you know, I can't even remember what it's called. It oh. was, it was, no, it was like, uh, I picked it because it had a CD 
of relaxation scripts and I like the sound of her voice I think that's oh, literally I, think I know I which it. one it is it's like the standard one oh it's oh uh, yeah home of hypnobirthing or something uh, yeah something like that yeah for sure but it, it was okay and I mean my god that was definitely something I wanted to do differently for my future birth so this yeah this book had a cd of like relaxation scripts and I think it had 20 minutes of relaxing music and my husband did remember to take that with us to the hospital. And God, I listened to that 20 minutes, like, I don't know, 11, 12 million times. because It was all I had. And I mean, it just drove me mad. I was just sick of it by the end of it. This time around, God, I made, I made playlists, several of them, all different styles of music. I think I learned that you don't have to listen to whale song and soothing tunes. If anything, for me, something that was kind of pounding and had a beat to it was so much better because it helped me kind of work with the contraction. It helped me kind of, yeah, experience that a bit more rather than just trying to relax, which I don't think is effective for everyone. Certainly wasn't for me. I totally, yeah. totally, totally agree with you. Like for me, I like house and techno music. So yeah, definitely. Like, that's a, that's amazing music to like work through you know the intensity of labor so 100% why why should you switch your music choice just because you're in labor right oh um, god definitely but yeah I, I think that is the mistake I made I went when planning my first home birth I had this kind of mental image and it was very much based on the little videos you see of perhaps the very last 20 seconds of giving birth where the woman's in a birth pool there's lots of fairy lights and she's just going, and then a baby appears. And you you don't really get the hours or possibly days beforehand where she's going through it, you know, or you're kind of experiencing everything in a really intense way. Yeah, I had a, I had perhaps a slightly too rose-tinted view. Of Absolutely. And I, and I do think, you know, hypnobirthing is obviously fantastic we both we both are working in hypnobirthing but some you know courses and and methods do kind of promote this very calm and relaxed birth Mm. rather than a you know roaring active Mm. vocal um kind of birth because you know they show us videos of well I know when I went on a course it was all um very calm peaceful Mm. birth so if you're showing us that then surely that is the goal but Mm. whereas I I will hear more about yours but mine was very vocal and active Mm. and you know very primitive so yeah well massively yeah yeah it was much the same for me (laughs) but right so in terms of the appointments and things I I think it was I think I was 28 weeks pregnant and I had finally plucked up the courage to say something at these bloody midwife appointments because I just couldn't do it it was it was like the struggle was real for me I it was either right okay you've, you've got two options with this you either keep going and you just do what they ask and you kind of nod and smile and just get through it or you have to say something and I just sort of knew I couldn't keep going and just going like yeah because it was affecting me too much you know and I, and I think my husband was sick of me as well <laughs> of going through it all when we got home so I was like right okay I'm finally going to say something and we went in and I had it all prepared in my head. I had this little statement that I was going to say. And so we did a little brief like hi and hello. And then she said, right, OK, uh, just pop up over there and we'll just listen on baby. And I said, like, um, actually, I've decided I don't want to do that. I'm going to decline. And it was so official because I was so nervous about it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I love I, that. Uh, yeah. 
oh god but yeah and and just the the relief though of finally having said it and got it out um and actually to her credit in an instant she said that's okay can I just ask why she said you don't have to tell me why but just personally I'm kind of interested to know um so said okay um I just don't feel very comfortable with you doing these things I think by that point we were measuring my bump and I felt like measuring my bump was just pointless I didn't I didn't think it was I I mean I know it's not a very accurate science (laughs) it's it can be very kind of vague I didn't really think that that was telling me I knew my baby was growing I wasn't worried about it so yeah I think I just said I don't feel comfortable with this. Um, I just don't really feel like I need it. And she was okay about it. I think she sort of said, okay, and just made a lot of notes. And then the only issue she had was, um, oh, but we do need to make sure your baby's not breech because that's another big, scary issue if they're breech. And so I'd done this face-to-face hypnobirthing course and we talked a bit about breech and I knew that it's a variation of normal. It's not an instant C-section necessarily um, at all. So I wasn't really too concerned about that. I was only 28 weeks. Even if I was, baby could flip or whatever. So I think I just went like, oh, yeah, 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 fine. And then we left. Um, so, I mean, almost weirdly, we did go in again for an appointment after that. But because I was literally, I declined listening in on the heartbeat, having my abdomen palpated um, and measured So I think literally, I think I was still maybe doing the wee test and that was sort of it. So it was a very brief appointment in the future. I mean, so brief that I was in my mind kind of working up to the point of, do I really need to do this or not? I don't know, but I couldn't quite kind of maybe decide that I didn't want to do any. So yeah, I went to go and see her. Um, And the following appointment was the home visit because I was having a home birth. 36 weeks um home visit came around she came to our house and I mean in a lot of ways it was a very pointless appointment because I'd already we still lived in the same house where I'd had my you know intended home birth before so in terms of like checking it for like I think they check it for access to maybe if they can park there can they get an ambulance on the drive or close to your house can they get a stretcher down the stairs I think I look for this kind of thing um is there a wi-fi connection because these days notes are all on a laptop um so she arrived she set up a laptop got all logged on and everything and um at that point in my life my son who's about two-ish was still having a nap which was amazing so he was upstairs and so we were just sat downstairs uh waiting for her to start talking to us and the first thing she said was because I think she had a bunch of questions that she needed to write down in her notes and she asked me oh who's going to be at the birth as if I really need to ask you it's going to be yourself isn't it like pointing to my husband and when we said like well yeah and also my doula and she said oh you can't have another birth partner and I said um I mean I can it's my home (laughs) and again this was a this was another COVID pandemic thing um and I definitely heard of this uh, in the hospital setting and I actually think it still is just insanely the case that you can only have one birth partner but in your home you can have as many people as you want it's your home um so I think we looked me and my husband looked at each other and then just kind of looked at her and said oh she's definitely gonna be there and just sort of completely brushed that off because there's just no way I was gonna not invite my doula so anyway at that point um my son wakes up so my husband goes up he goes up to see them so it's just me and her 
And then she carries on with the questions and she said to me, oh, what position do you think you're going to birth in? I said like, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know whatever like position I feel like being in at the time. Like it was so bizarre. Um, and yeah, I think I kind of said that to her and she went, oh, okay. I think she even said, oh, I recommend like, don't do like a forward inversion or something. I was like, are you honestly telling me that, oh you know, don't God. give birth on my head? It was, it was a little bit ludicrous. Um, but anyway, then she said, where do you think you're going to give birth? And oh, I... I know. I mean, I said to her again, I don't really know. I'll see how I feel. I mean, it could be this room. We were just sat in the living room or it could be upstairs. And in my mind, I had been planning on giving birth upstairs. I'd sort of been building that space. I kind of felt that like our bedroom's probably going to be the area where I feel the most comfortable and relaxed. And I'd been like, I even bought like beautiful artwork of like pregnant women and birthing women all around the walls I had a little kind of statue of a pregnant woman with a baby half out of them I was really into it my space was like ready um and I think I said to her like, yeah maybe upstairs and she said oh okay well before I go I just need to check your bedroom and I just thought what why do you need to look at my bedroom it felt so kind of like intrusive I just I just didn't understand it so I think I challenged her and just said like oh honestly the space is fine I mean we've we managed to fit my son's cot in it for a long time when he was still in our bedroom it's quite spacious and she said no it's not a matter of space it's that if you have your baby here in the living room and they come out flat as a pancake I can resuscitate them on that table and she pointed to our coffee table so she said I just need to make sure there's somewhere upstairs and I just even like telling you I'm livid because I just thought how dare you sit in front of me at 36 weeks pregnant and say that to me in such a way that you've basically done a kind of visualization exercise of making me imagine my freshly born baby not breathing laid out on our coffee table that I'll sit in front of now between now and you know when I go into labor like thanks very much where is the sense in doing that I just I was just like I can't believe you said that like oh god so I think and I, I mean was, as you I'm, were saying it I was picturing it too like you know it's oh it, the way that she yeah. said it is so graphic yeah 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 I mean, words are so massively powerful. powerful. You know, that is the point. It's just like, and especially as you get towards that end, uh, kind of towards the end of your pregnancy, you are going in a different headspace. I think around kind of 36 weeks, especially, you know, you are gearing up to giving birth. There are subtle changes going on with you. There's, there's sort of fluctuations in your hormones. You're becoming more open. And this is when you're starting to get more vulnerable. This is when you don't need someone sat there telling you that your baby might be born and not breathing, which is very rare. But why, why make me imagine that, you know? So I, again, I was too, looking back on it, I wish I just said, just you know fuck off <laughs> you know, I wish I'd just shown her the door and just said like get out of my house but I didn't I kind of you know I think I just took a breath and um I think at that moment I said to her uh by the way I've decided I don't want to have any more appointments moving forward and she just sort of bristled a little bit and kind of said oh um uh you know oh well why uh why is that and I said I was so polite and nice. It was too much. I get, it was, you know, too nice for her. I said, I actually don't think our 
our perspectives on birth and pregnancy align with each other. <laughs> I kind of worded it so bloody politely. Um, and she just sort of went like, oh, okay. And, you know, didn't really, I mean, I'm sure it was just, she just was seething at me. Um, but before she left, she hassled me about checking whether the baby was breech again and I knew I knew she wasn't breech but I just I just thought because there was so much talk of oh if they are breech we might have to send someone specialist and this is all because there's a huge lack of training like no one gets the experience of a breech baby anymore because they don't want to even entertain the situation they want to book you in for a c-section so that expertise and experience gets lost so then if it ever happens they're terrified about it so it just it's a kind of perpetuating cycle they're just creating that situation for themselves anyway so I just thought fine okay just have a feel um and you know then you can go so I lay down and she had a feel and she said oh um yeah baby's engaged actually and head down that's really good and she just sort of talked to my baby through my stomach and said oh make sure you're early or on time and I just thought what are you doing like why are you talking to my baby and sort of telling her your timeline I just oh but I'm, I mean I guess you know their absolute fear is anyone going over a due date that they set for you anyway I think I told my baby yeah you just come when you're ready and um mm-hmm. and then just sort of started to try and move this woman out of our house before she left she said to me oh I need to make you an appointment with our consultant and I thought why um and asked her and she said oh because you've been declining care you need to have an appointment with a consultant I said so well you've just let you feel my abdomen I've done that you know so we don't need to do that now and she said oh no because previously and we don't have a record in your notes we don't have like a measurement of the latest kind of measurement we've got to actually use notes that we did when you were like 28 weeks you've got to track far back um so you've got to come in and see a consultant and I explain to her that you know the reason why I wasn't doing this was I'd done a huge amount of work I felt very confident in the fact that me and my baby were well I didn't feel the need to do all these things and I found it baffling that because I felt I was taking more of a responsibility for my pregnancy and birth and needing their assistance less I then had to speak to someone more senior about it which just felt like I was being sent to speak to the headmistress or something like that. And I mean, I absolutely said, I'm not seeing a consultant. Um, I agreed to a phone call in the end. I said, fine, if they want to phone me. And in a way, I was almost quite ready for the call. I kind of wanted to use that as an opportunity to flex my muscle of how much knowledge I'd learned. And I, I was ready to like give as much as I got and just kind of make this person aware that, I wasn't messing around. I wasn't being kind of half-hearted with this. I I knew what I was doing. Um, So yeah, I agreed to this phone call. She finally left. I never saw her again. It was great. Um, So the following week, the consultant phones me and she basically wanted to go through my birth plan and discuss points of that um, to, she said that she, she felt because I was presenting a kind of unusual situation, which again, I can't believe unusual is someone kind of saying no to a couple of things. Anyway, um, that she wanted to kind of pre-warn the the home birth team of my situation so they were aware. Um, One of the things I was quite kind of keen on was not having the baby's heartbeat listened to during labor. And I thought about this a lot. Um, It's, 
one of those that initially I kind of thought, well, how will I know that everything's okay? But then the more I learned about the birth process, the more I felt, how can I give birth with someone interrupting me like that and someone coming right up to me and literally kind of pressing on part of my body and and taking me out of that kind of place and that's not to say you know it's it's impossible to do that or that you know you shouldn't do that but for me didn't feel like something I wanted that was very not okay with this consultant you very much wanted me to be aware of all of the reasons why that could be a bad idea and to be honest I think the phone call was just a way of making sure they had told me everything they needed to to cover themselves in case something happened it was very litigious feeling it just felt like they were going through she was kind of going through her list of oh we do this because of this um which I was very well aware of and I kind of explained that I understood a lot about this and it was sort of it was an okay call because I felt like I said everything I needed to say but ultimately they were just she was just kind of covering themselves um and she said oh you'll get a letter in a few days time just detailing everything we said I've got that letter I put it in a drawer I didn't even bother opening it because I just thought I don't need to see black and white again of everything there was such a it was such a kind of heavy layering of of kind of concern and worry and fear of everything when all I was doing was going along my pregnancy going I feel great. I feel fine. I'm aware of what's happening. I know what I want to do. I know what I don't want to do. And those are my wishes. But yeah, there was such a kind of heavy amount of resistance to that. And just a feeling Um, of dis, you know, you just leave those appointments and you just feel disempowered. You just feel negative, you know, fearful, because also the things that they say to you is not just going to go over your head. You're a responsible Mm -hmm. adult. They enter your mind and they plant seeds of doubt. And it's, mm. it's quite hard. You have to do that work and you have to kind of re-educate yourself, realign with your purpose mm. and remind yourself of why you're doing this. And, you know, that you're not just making a crazy decision. You are actually coming from a place of being informed. But having those conversations do kind of, you know, give you that feeling of, oh, God, and, and maybe even make you doubt. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it's how do you not have a conversation with someone that's only really about risk and about negative stuff and kind of fearful situations and then not have that be on the forefront of your mind from that point on like it's really difficult to to kind of remain balanced with yourself when you're just focusing on what could go wrong and that's obviously not to say completely ignore everything that could go wrong but I don't think you need it you know triple highlighted completely just on you all the time you know I think there could be a a healthier balance with that for sure Um, so yeah after this um, consultant appointment I'm just taking my notes <laughs> yes so right so after the consultant appointment everything was done over the phone um, and it was it was just a lovely time where I felt left alone I could just get on with being really heavily pregnant at that point I just enjoyed it all I felt great I kind of felt like I felt like all my kind of senses were really heightened I sort of felt like everything looked really bright and amazing and everything like tasted great I kind of felt like I was moving in this space of just being like hyper aware of everything and it was it was just really interesting I felt so much more connected to what was going on with me and my baby in this pregnancy than I ever did the first one and I totally credit all the work I think that's that's the kind of state I managed to get myself into um, and occasionally I got a phone call from a midwife going like oh hello do you feel like you've got preeclampsia and I said no bye and then just kind of just sacked that off <laughs> um and 
then me and my husband had more and more discussions about the possibility of how we would handle a midwife at the birth because I mean even still at that point I was kind of veering around from like how do we handle this you know do we call them and do they sit in the kitchen you know do we call them and they're kind of in the corner of the room can I tell them to stay on the drive is that rude you know I kind of like the idea of them being around but I didn't really want them around you know but then also I didn't want to feel like I was hiding upstairs or something while everyone was downstairs and I and then I was like well what point do we even do that? You know, when do I kind of go, okay, call them. And I don't then suddenly feel a bit on edge. Cause I mean, my experience, even from these appointments, it's not exactly made me feel super comfortable with midwives. It didn't really help. And so, yeah, we had a lot of discussions about that. And I sort of dipped my toe in the idea of what if we don't call them at all? And I think initially my husband was a bit, oh God, what are you doing? Like, oh, isn't that really like risky and dangerous? And oh God. And I think he was a bit, but at the same time, I think he was very much aware that if I'd sort of decided that that's what I wanted to do, that's what we were doing. Because at the end of the day, like it's got to be right for you. You're the one birthing this baby. Um, So yeah, we did sort of talk about that. And I even sort of discussed it with my doula, but I just, I, I never actually once said, right, I'm not going to call anyone. It's, we just, I've decided I'm I'm not going to do that. I never really, I couldn't quite voice it. I couldn't quite admit that. Um, But it was sort of, it was out there. I'd said it. (laughs) And so a bit of time went on. Um, We got to a due date. I knew she wouldn't arrive on a due date. What is it? Like 5% of babies do. So I I knew it was very unlikely. And then um, I started to have like some tightenings and some sensations. I think I lost my mucus plug and thought, oh, God, great. Because this was the first thing. I think the following day after losing my mucus plug with my first baby, then it all kicked off and later started. Um, I made the huge mistake of thinking, oh, it would be the same as last time. Um, Wasn't the same at all. A whole week went by and nothing happened. Um, sensations kind of died down and went away. Um, and I did I did start to get a bit frustrated. And as much as I was really telling myself, she'll be here when she's ready. I just need to kind of go with the flow of this and not fixate on, on any of this. Um, yeah, I still felt a little bit impatient. I was very much ready to, to meet our daughter. So the only thing I did do, I ate a pineapple. I don't feel proud of it. Um, I do like pineapple anyway. I just, I just got, I sort of like, I said like, oh, you know, like what harm could it do? I don't think it did anything. Um, but yeah, so that's all I did. I, I think it was a few days later. I mean, it was, it was exactly, she was exactly a week technically overdue um, that things started to happen. And so it was a Tuesday night, really, really late just before I went to bed and I just thought oh I think I'm leaking something I didn't know quite what it was but I didn't want to get too excited about it either it was really late I thought I'll just go to bed and I'll just sort of I think I put a pad in and and put something under my um, bed sheet just in case and went to sleep and then I woke up uh 5 a.m ish the next day and I had some sensations and I stood up and then like whoosh there was more and I thought oh this is definitely this is definitely something leaking this is the waters I think um so I I let my husband sleep because I thought I don't know how long this is going to take um because it was a fairly long last time I think it took about 23-ish hours from kind of first sensation to a baby came out of me first time round I hoped it would be less this time um 
but I didn't really know. So I went downstairs, I put a film on, I got on my birth ball, just had a little kind of sit and a little bounce. And I had planned to treat my day kind of quite normally. I I thought I would maybe go for a little walk when it was light or something. And I just sort of, yeah, just act as normal. But actually, when it came to it, I didn't want to leave the house. I felt like I just wanted to kind of stay where it was all safe um, and just, yeah, just kind of just stay in our in our home and just keep comfortable and things like that. Um, we just had a pretty normal day. Like I played with my son. That was just lovely. Uh, I remember sitting on the birth ball while he just ran up and down our kind of living room and I would be having these contractions because they got slightly more intense as the day went on. And he had no idea, you know, he was only like two. So we carried on as normal. And then it kind of got, I think he had a nap. We watched a film. We watched True Lies, fantastic Arnie film. And then the day kind of went on. Um, And then it came to the point of, do we or don't we get our son to be picked up by his grandparents or do we leave him here? And I sort of entertained the idea of him being at the birth. I mean, he was, he's young, but... I think for me, it felt like an amazing source of positivity to have my first baby there because he's like living proof, right? That I've done this before, you know, I have had a person come out of me, you know, so I kind of thought it'd be quite nice to be there. At the same time, obviously worried about him thinking, why is mummy making all these sounds? Um, And I suppose if we did have to go anywhere, you know, then what do we do? Does my doula stay with him? He doesn't really know her, does does my husband stay and then I go on my own I don't know there was a lot of questions but every time we discussed the possibility of him going to stay with his grandparents I had these intense contractions that were so like they were just they they switched from oh I'm completely handling this to whoa that's painful and I just I'm doing a little cry now kind of thing so I just knew I can't, he has to stay here. Like I can't send him away anywhere. I just don't think it's going to work. So I'm just going to have to go with that. So we decided that's what we do. Um, Got him ready for bed and things. He went up to bed. And then there was that classic, um, oh, it's ramping up a bit now. And I could feel things getting a little bit more intense. And I've heard that a lot for, for women that have got children already. It's like, as soon as you can kind of properly focus on it, things start to build. And so at this point, I was using my TENS machine, which I loved. I got that on when things felt a little bit intense. Um, And I like that, even just for the fact of like having something to play with a little bit. I quite liked playing around with the kind of, you know, you could turn the intensity up and down a little bit. That was quite useful. Um, I found I couldn't really eat and drink very much. Wasn't really what I kind of you know I think my husband was trying to sort of like give me bits of frozen fruit or something and give me kind of bits to drink but I just I found that quite difficult uh, I found music fantastic like all these different playlists I made yeah I made some kind of ones that were a little bit more upbeat that were kind of like electro stuff and dance stuff and, and they were the ones that would really get me through a more intense contraction because I could just kind of use that that power in the music to get me through the power of a contraction it was so much more effective than listening to something really gentle and soft and relaxing um I did find that breathing was massively beneficial and it was something I didn't really use very much in my first pregnancy I kind of I think I just got very kind of like panicky first time around I did a lot of kind of short little breaths and I was bracing myself and I didn't really relax in between and that is something oh I just 
always telling people to do it's it's the moments in between you've got to really work with and use because I think once you can calm and relax in between you've got a much better handle on when the next contraction hits you so that was all really effective I was doing really well and then it got later and it got a bit later and then I got quite impatient and I was starting to think oh god how long is this going to go on for like it was all I was really confident and I was handling it well and that was great it was going so much better than my first birth I understood what was happening in my body and yeah it was wonderful but time was ticking and I got too wrapped up in the clock and yeah I remember getting a little bit kind of impatient and going like oh what is she doing where is she I thought she'd be here by now so we decided to call my doula who hadn't been out with us until that point because I was just happy to sort of carry on and just keep going um so she and we got her out of bed it was like half one in the morning I think she came around to us by sort of two-ish or something and she kind of came in and she did the best thing really she just sort of sat down she kind of just gave me some space she sort of watched what was going on and then I think she, I, I was sort of disappearing off into the kitchen a lot and every time there was a big contraction I was just gripping onto the like the sideboard in the kitchen and really squatting down and like leaning into that contraction and just willing my baby to move down just come on and meet us but I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere so she suggested doing some rebozo and she said why don't we try doing that and I think I leant forward on the birth ball and she got her kind of lovely big um, bit of fabric out and put that over my hips and did the shaking of the apples and did that a little bit. And I instantly hated it. And I just said, no, and stood up. I think I felt like I was going to be sick. <laughs> and I just sort of ran off into the kitchen again. And um, I wasn't sick, but yeah, I didn't really feel like that was very good. And then I think um, I made sure I did a lot of weeing. That's my top tip. Make sure you empty your bladder a lot because it gets in the way. So I, I kept going to and from the bathroom. And apparently Medulla said to my husband, she's just had three contractions in really quick succession. I don't think it's far off now. But in my mind, I was just thinking, this isn't happening. What's going on? When's she going to get here? I came back in and then I think I had a contraction that just absolutely floored me. And I leant forward um, onto my husband and he just sort of held me up with his with his arms and I was just like completely collapsed on him. And it just felt, I was making a lot of noise. It was something I really laughed at actually when we were doing our hypnobirthing um, kind of like sessions, the, the teacher said to me, oh, you might want to make some quite low guttural throaty sounds. And I felt just like such an idiot doing that I, I couldn't practice it I was just like oh no it just sounds stupid so I didn't do it but oh my god that worked for me I was just leaning on my husband and kind of making these like thundery kind of vibrating deep sounds and that helped so much I could feel like the relief and release um in my kind of pelvis and and tummy and everything so then the doula suggested let's get back into the lounge and maybe get on all fours so we did that and then I had I had a, another really big contraction and I just stared at my husband and I just went no 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 and I felt like I just I can't do that I can't do this this is too intense this is taking me over and yeah I had it was definitely I mean I think that's a very transitiony moment I was just kind of in it it was it felt kind of very very big it felt bigger than me but at the same time like I did 
there was a little bit of my brain that was like, no, you are doing this. But I had to vocalise, no, I'm not, no, no, because I have to get away from this. And then I had just like the most amazing feeling. I had, I felt like I opened up. Uh, my doula was, was applying like counter pressure on my lower back, which just felt amazing. And she said to me, oh, I can feel your pelvis is opening. And I just, even thinking about it now, I've still got that memory so clearly of, I felt like I could see inside myself and I could see this really big, wide open space just opening up. And I could just feel like she's, she's coming now. It's not far off now. She's, she's definitely coming. I kind of had, I had this huge spacious feeling and then just, just feeling of straining. And it wasn't like pushing it was just my body was starting to like strain and I was just going with it and I remember leaning forward again and I just thought oh my god it's definitely going to be the head and yeah I had on that next kind of contraction I felt this kind of burny stinging feeling and again I think thanks to the the preparation I had a little kind of switch went off in my brain and it just said oh slow down you might want to slow down because you might tear a bit if you go too fast with this because it felt like it was happening fast all this time of going oh where are you and then suddenly felt like she was kind of rocketing through me a bit so I sort of I did a breath I think I managed to sort of slow it down slightly and then I heard just head came out of me. I just, I knew that I just birthed the head and I, I leant down and I could feel her head. And I felt this kind of like, like rounded, hard, sort of slippery kind of um, shape that was there. And just the most amazing thing was I could feel her ears either side of this this shape that was there between my legs I could feel her ears I could feel these little ridges of ears and I just knew oh my god that's your head it was just incredible I was so connected to that that kind of moment of happening and I think there was a little pause and then there was another big contraction and then just her whole body came out of me <laughs> and she just did a little tumble on the floor I was really close to the floor she just kind of like rolled out of me and I remember looking down and just seeing her kind of back and arms and body like outstretched. And I, I just instantly knew you're absolutely fine. I could see some moving already. I just absolutely had no concern at all. I knew you are fine. And I think I just, I think I was just sort of frozen for a little bit. And then, and then my doula said, well, pick her up. <laughs> and I just leant down and I picked up this body uh, of her. And I, I kind of just sort of held her at a slight distance to me and I sort of turned her to face me and I just took in the sight of just our daughter, our baby. She was there and she was looking at me and I just I kept saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, just over and over again. And couldn't believe that that she was just in the room with us. And it's still I'm just I don't think I'm ever going to lose how clear that memory is because it's, it's right there. And I think I was I was so present. I was so in that moment that. Yeah, that's just one of the, I mean, it is, that's the best moment of, of my life, definitely, um, just undoubtedly. Um, and then I, so I sat back and actually for me, instantly, I felt like, whoa, there's something else, there's something there. And the placenta pretty much just followed her out. It was really quick. Um, I kind of was sort of slightly like, is that okay? <laughs> but we got a bowl, we scooped it up um, and I sat back and they got a load of cushions for me and I just held her there and just kept staring at her and I just kept saying oh my god you're so beautiful 
you're so beautiful and it makes me emotional now <laughs> because like <whew. laughs> oh dear she was oh it was just incredible um it was so it was so amazing but just so overwhelmingly normal and simple and there was just this feeling of like what was I worried about this is this just worked so well it happened and yeah and it, it just felt like the most amazing yet completely normal thing I'd ever done in my life um and yeah I sat there I think I asked my husband to go and get this big purple fluffy blanket I'd bought for like this very moment to put over the two of us and um and then we just yeah we just sort of took it took each other in for a lovely long time uh, I think we did a little bit breastfeeding that she just did that straight away there was no problem and um yeah it was just it was just like it was pretty mind-blowing really I need <laughs> wow <laughs> oh god such an amazing story gosh <laughs> wow oh god oh god yeah yeah it was it was amazing we sat there for a bit and just sort of took in yeah just the whole moment of everything and and I am eternally grateful my my doula took some she took a couple of photos of the scene of the birth um and me and my husband and my baby and god they're like the most precious pictures I've got and it's so lovely I always said to my husband like god I'm so glad that this happened with my daughter in a lot of ways because as she grows up if she thinks about having a baby one day she will know that she was born in our home and that nothing had to happen no one had to be there and it was it was absolutely fine and I want her to grow up with that confidence and faith in herself and to have that be her awareness and knowledge of birth rather than everything else that's out there mm. and yeah that's I think that's a really powerful thing that we can give her as she gets older and grows up and possibly gets into the point of life while she wants to do that yeah. and then yeah we um eventually I got moved upstairs we gingerly went upstairs um and I want to point out actually that there was a fair amount of blood I mean I, I mean in a in a kind of like classic way um I'd put things down on the floor um uh, there was a lot of towels around a lot of like um inco pads around on the floor um and obviously when I sat back and up the only point of space, any little bit of carpet that I didn't cover is exactly where my placenta decided to land. So oh, <laughs> we did have to deal with like an amazing, huge, <laughs> like blood kind of like, oh, <laughs> but honestly, I mean, God, I couldn't care less because it really didn't matter. I got it out of the carpet, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, that was the only thing. But yeah, there was a lot of blood, but it wasn't it wasn't alarming. I didn't feel like there was any concern. I think that might just be typical for me. There was a fair bit of blood with my first birth. And I just think it's really important to point out because perhaps that I think that's a bit of a concern with people who are, are having a home birth. Like, how do you gauge like what's a good and bad sort of amount of blood loss? And actually, the, the main thing with all of that is how do you feel? Like, how are you feeling? Because it is normal to lose a lot of blood and it's not typical for us to really see an amount of blood like that and it not be an accident or an emergency or something bad that's happened. Um, you know, whereas it can be completely normal after a birth, but that amount will vary for everyone. And it's very much to do with how are you feeling afterwards? You know, do you feel a bit 
lightheaded and funny or is there any concern for you it's it's kind of less about the amount it's more about how you feeling because uh, I didn't I didn't feel concerned at all I was perfectly happy um, and everything was fine um, I did tear a little bit um, we did so we were we remained on our own for about four hours we were just snuggling upstairs in our bed it was lovely and then we decided to call a midwife to our home a little bit later just to kind of acknowledge that the birth had happened and to do some initial little checks I wanted to get checked out just in case I'd torn and yeah I had I think I had a first degree tear on one side and a second on the other and she asked me do you want me to stitch it and it ran through my head. I suppose I could. I don't know. I'd had stitches with my first birth and found them incredibly painful to heal. So I wasn't really looking forward to that if I was going to do that. But I had read that it is possible to heal without having stitches. And I wasn't completely sure. I, was, I did a lot of umming and ahhing. Um, she got a little bit irritated with me, but I was making up my mind. And I think I asked her her opinion. And I think she said to me, like, well, it's your vagina. So that was really helpful uh in the end I decided do you know what I'm gonna leave it I don't think I want any stitches I'm gonna leave it and I think I don't think she really understood why or what I was doing but she just was like fine okay and she just left um but god I was so relieved that I did and I think I had a gut feeling that I just I should leave it and I shouldn't get these stitches and I think I I really attribute that to just being like freshly having birthed my baby I think I kind of had this knowing of like what was right for me or wrong for me um and yeah I healed them myself and it was it was just absolutely fine I mean the tissue and the skin there it is designed to heal I think the most important part of that process is making sure you rest because it was a big part for me that the kind of immediate postpartum would be very much in bed and just um very much naked like both of us me and, and my baby cuddling up like getting feeding established just getting to know each other um just having no interruptions and I just want everybody to know how important that is because that you never get that time back you don't have to instantly jump into seeing a ton of people or getting clothes on or having a wash or anything you can just just still be connected because only five minutes ago you were very connected you know so you're still you're still a, a kind of one entity you know even though they're out of you and you know um, you've done all of that you are still together you're still a team um, so yeah lots of rest and I just did the classic of every time I did a wee I made sure water was poured over me I kept myself very kind of clean um, and I let air get to me a bit sometimes I did give birth in the August so that was a little bit helpful <laughs> um, and yeah I mean it just it just healed beautifully it was I think I put I used a little bit of um tea tree like a tiny little drop of that in a, in a big bottle of water and that worked great for me I kind of read up online of different ways that people do tackle healing without stitches sometimes people even use like manuka honey apparently that's wonderful I think there are alternative ways of doing this but yeah I healed I mean I think it only took like I don't know a week and a half couple of weeks or something and I mean everything just looked really good and normal down there I didn't have any kind of swelling or soreness that I had with my stitches before um you know and then that's tough like when you've got a newborn and you're trying to kind of sit down like if it's painful there then it's not great but yeah so that worked really well um and then it was it was kind of great we had a wonderful yeah we had a wonderful postpartum it was just 
I think staying in bed because you want to, not because you have to. I think that's really important. I think you, I rushed it last time. I was, I kind of almost wanted to get back to normal. I wanted life to get back to normal. I think that's really reflective of the birth experience. I think I, it wasn't so much of a good birth. So I was really keen to just get on with being a mum, focus on breastfeeding, getting that to work or all that kind of thing. Whereas with this, like, God, I mean, I was buzzing after that birth and I still am. She's seven months old now. And I'm, it's still, I still think about it you know almost every day and to have that wonderful memory is just so it's so lovely because I know for a lot of women out there they don't have that they have you know they've got to they hold a, a traumatic experience or something that you know has deeply affected them and that's a really hard thing to to have especially when you've just become a mum and then into your your kind of whole future but to have I have the memory of just how bloody powerful and just capable and amazing birth can be Mm. you know that will never leave me and it has kind of had an impact on my whole life and everything like just how yeah how I kind of approach everything and that's I want more people to to have that you know Mm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be without midwives you know it can be how you want to do it but it's about having that that massive belief um, in yourself and I think you get that from from knowledge of yourself knowledge of of physiological birth what what can literally happen to your body understanding that building up that kind of faith and awareness and knowledge of that and connection of your body and baby and everything which I, I think does get disrupted normally when you're when you see any midwife on the regular, <laughs> it doesn't really like create that kind of confidence. I it's think almost it's, like it's, they they kind of pushed you away, you know, they, you know, by all of those interactions. Yeah. But look, the statistics on home birth, what is it? Two percent of births in the UK, mm. only two percent mm-hmm. are home births. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the figures on unassisted births are unknown from what I know. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's a percentage, oh, but yeah. it, I don't think it's known. So most of the people listening are going to be going to hospital that is a fact so yeah and what I kind of want to get at is like what can they take away from your birth story if if there's people listening thinking okay you know um your story is quite far removed from from their what their story is going to be and what can they take from your story if they are going into hospital or if they're planning a, a, a home birth with the support of midwives what would you like what kind of message do you want to leave them with I want to make sure everyone knows that even if they're not planning an unassisted birth or even a home birth that they have got to be the ones in control of their maternity care their antenatal appointments I think it's it will serve you so much better if you take a greater responsibility for for what's happening with you I think the danger lies in kind of outsourcing your your like reassurance and your knowledge to someone else who is working in a really strange system um, that's very overstretched. We're endlessly hearing about how there are never enough midwives and they're always overworked and overwrought and they've never got enough sleep and, and resources are kind of low. I think we need to kind of take that information and recognize that and go, right, okay, if that's the case, then I need to take more of a responsibility of my pregnancy and birth experience. And I mean, bafflingly, I think you will you will get resistance for doing that. I mean, 
I just think it makes so much sense to encourage women and just to sort of to help them recognize how capable they are and to help them cultivate that kind of feeling and connection with themselves so they don't need so much kind of intervention or, or kind of medical assistance because then surely that would lighten the workload of everybody working in hospitals and maternity units things like that you know I think it's sad that when you first go to see your midwife the the kind of approach to pregnancy and birth is that it's inherently dangerous and risky and the conversation is always about risk you go in you're high risk or you're low risk but you're definitely risk there's no no risk and there's the and it, the, the conversation is always geared towards that you're always talking about the risk of situation and if your situation is really good and you're low risk then you're talking about the possibility of risky situations so you never really get away from kind of talking about what could happen and although that's an important thing to know that it needs to be balanced yes. because what is the point where's the sense in going through an entire pregnancy which you know is best part of a year and for every interaction with someone who you're looking to for your care during pregnancy to be something that is constantly reminding you of everything that could go wrong I mean how is that preparing for birth how is that preparing for that experience in a way anything other than just being terrified about it I mean surely you get to the end of that interaction and then you just feel like oh my god please save me from birth because it's just going to be terrible all these things are going to go wrong and I'm definitely going to need assistance which you know I could argue is part of the point of, of maternity appointments. I think, I think there is this focus on, on making sure everyone's aware of risk because, you know, it's kind of easier if someone is, is, is kind of more amenable to having that assistance and help. And then if it ends up looking like something they definitely needed and then they were kind of saved from a certain situation, then that's kind of great, isn't it? But mm. I just wish there was more of a balance. I, I want everyone to just appreciate that I am not special. I am not unusual or anything. I, I didn't manage to have my baby at home without anyone being there because of anything in particular. You know, I could do it. You could do it if you wanted to. If you're curious about doing it, look into it. You know, I, it's just your body what, is capable of birthing a baby. And what about, because um, there obviously is a bit of stigma, isn't there, around, around this? And um, mm -hmm. how did you... Did you manage people's opinions? I don't know if family said anything because I know I know you didn't outward say it. It was a very much mm -hmm. a thing that was going on in your mind. And then you eventually allowed, you know, you didn't call the midwives, mm. basically. So yeah. did you get any pushback or I suppose you probably didn't because you didn't say it. But afterwards, yeah. was there any, you know, was there anything afterwards where people say, oh, my God, I can't, you know, people say, oh, my God, you're having a home birth. That's really risky. Are you sure? Mm. Like, it's it's yeah. a big thing. Like, I know if I was, yeah. if we were to have another kid and I said I want a home birth, it wouldn't go down well at all with, yeah. <laughs> I won't yeah. say which side of the family. But, you know, <laughs> so so imagine if if I said, actually, I'm thinking of doing a free birth. And it, yeah. honestly, I, I feel like there might even be like a safeguarding issue. You know, it's it's yeah. quite so. So how how did you uh, manage that? I guess. Mm. I mean, to be honest, I think 
people in my life weren't that surprised <laughs> when when we told really? them like oh no there was no one there yeah I think they could kind of see through conversations that we'd had before they, they were sort of getting the vibe that I might not want to have someone there um so I don't think it was a kind of massive surprise I think unfortunately a lot of people um especially if they're people that don't know us as well they will look at this experience and go oh well she was lucky that was lucky that that worked out and that was lucky that it was fine. And I do, I understand that uh, view, but I will, on the flip side, listen to someone who had a birth in a hospital and everything went okay. And I think you were lucky because the thing that, the thing about birth is that it's the environment and the situation that you're in that is really going to support your body doing everything that it's got going on the whole system of there's so many hormones at play there's so many things that function and happen once your baby kind of sends out that signal going like right I'm ready to be born so many things happen that you that aren't massively obvious but it but it's working it's your body's doing things to birth your baby but if you're doing that in, in an environment where you're not feeling kind of protected and safe and comfortable and where you can be kind of loving and and you don't have to kind of have a conversation with someone about something, you know, really kind of medical or anything like that. You can just like relax and let go and just be in your kind of space. That's going to support birth. And when you're supporting birth, birth's going to go well you know so then you don't need the intervention you don't need the extra support or the medical interaction because your birth is, is is working and happening and that's never to say that if something happened or if you felt like there was a situation where right okay I don't feel quite right there's not quite something going on there's something going on here perhaps we need to have some help you know you can phone for an ambulance or you can you know move yourself or get someone there there are options to you it's not like you completely have to go right I'm going to birth unassisted or I'm not going to do any of that it's not about like defiantly writing everything off it's about going I choose to have this or I don't because I don't have to have that be part of my birth you know we, we've just become so used to needing people present or certain kind of medical things to happen that we are accepting that as, as normal and then that's fine but if it's actually going against what your, your body's trying to do then you're going to need more and more interventions to kind of solve that problem you know it, it, it then kind of creates a situation for itself that can snowball and you know you could potentially end up with a c-section because you know your baby's getting distressed because the time's going on and you've been put on a clock and you're only so many centimeters dilated i had no idea how dilated i was and the baby still came out with me like these are things that you don't particularly have to know you know they're not the it's not the kind of window into everything it's like one small part of a of a very big picture that we just don't really appreciate but it's because we don't know like I didn't know with my first but then once I knew and I had a better understanding I had a lot more faith in what was going on and I felt more connected to what was going on I think actually it was it was doing all the work and doing all the prep that gave me the confidence to not need someone there because I did know that everything was okay and I did feel well in myself. I think if I hadn't done that work and if I just, you know, only ever felt like the baby was okay once I'd heard the heartbeat at an appointment, then I would not really have that same connection with myself. I wouldn't feel, you know, as 
as much of the expert of like my pregnancy and birth as I mean god everybody is you are the highest authority about your body and your baby you know people can have expertise about about this and, and kind of like you know views and, and learning and knowledge but they're not the expert of it it's definitely you but I don't really think that that's what we're we're kind of encouraged to think it's not really how it felt for me and yeah so I didn't really want anyone in my space that was perhaps going to take away from that yeah okay thank you so much so where can people find you and also do you want to just um tell us what what kind of services if people are kind of interested in in maybe just home birth or working with you what what what, what do you offer yeah definitely so um currently uh yeah, on Instagram, free to birth. I am working with people on a kind of one-to-one basis for doing exactly this, for planning a home birth. And that's across the board as to whether they want midwives there or, or no one at all or whatever they want to be doing. I want to support people in planning their home birth. And I'm also working on a course that will help people prepare for their home birth. Um, I'm just basically pooling all the knowledge of everything I learned throughout this experience putting it all in the same place um, because I wish I had had something like that you know I learned so much but it was from so many different places that I kind of brought together that yeah I am bringing everything into the one space and yeah that should be available soon amazing is that going to be face-to-face or online um both I'm going to do I'm going to do an online version that people can just kind of sign up for and do um and then I'm also going to have a kind of option to do that with me directly if they want to I really 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 want people to remember that no matter what kind of birth they're planning if there's any time where they feel uncomfortable whether at a midwife appointment or just any time they can absolutely say no everything is an offered service nothing is mandatory you can decline anything you want to your pregnancy care can be as unique as you are thank you so much guys you know where i am i'm over at instagram pop that mama would always love to hear from you how are you finding these new episodes the whole birth story season what do you want to hear on this podcast let me know all right have a lovely day